it sounds so cliche and it's like also sounds so simple, but it's not easy to do. It's not easy to sort of accept yourself on every level and realize that it literally doesn't matter what anyone thinks of you. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 236. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a wonderful conversation with Jessica. Typically at the top of the show, we come up with our own description for our guests, but this time Jessica sent us a fantastic bio, so I'm going to go ahead and read that here. Jessica is a curator of brave spaces for people to own their power and awaken to their most expansive selves. Through her work as a coach and retreat facilitator, she realized it was people's relationships that needed healing the most. That's when she decided to launch her podcast, Open Late, a look at relationships through her lens of consensual non-monogamy. She wants to inspire people to create designer relationships filled with truth, vulnerability, intimacy, and play. Yeah, this is an amazing conversation, and we talk all about her her personal journey and how that has tied into her work and her personal growth. And so a huge amount of gratitude to both, well, not to both, to to everyone involved here. So that would be Jessica, uh, Jessica's husband, Pasha, and their partner, Lauren, and everybody else who shows up in this. So uh, just a huge thank you to all of you. And also, uh, as we just mentioned, Jessica has her own podcast, Openly, and she interviewed us, and that episode comes out today as well. So when you get done listening here, you can follow the links in the show notes to go listen to us talk about us. On her, on her podcast. On her podcast. And <laughs> that is also a fantastic conversation, if we do humbly say so ourselves. They were a little biased. Yeah, and rightfully so. <laughs> Before we jump into the interview with Jessica, we have a couple of announcements. Oh, wait, wait. I have a special uh, announcement. Yeah, I know. Go ahead. Okay. Well, we, I think I know what it is. I know you do because <laughs> we, we have it written here on the notes in front of us. Right. <laughs> so we were we are on Jessica's podcast today. Last week, we did an interview with a former uh, guest of ours from episode 211, uh, Judy and Eldon. Judy started her own podcast a few months ago called Plus Size Polyamory, and we recorded an interview last Thursday, so I don't know what date that was because my brain doesn't do that, but <laughs> last week we recorded an interview, and that is episode 23, and that came out immediately, so if you want to go listen to that. Episode 23 on her podcast, Plus Size Polyamory. Correct. Uh, there will be links in the show notes for that as well. So you have so many different amazing podcasts to listen to. You've got Today with Jessica. You've got Today with us on Jessica. On the Open Late podcast. And you've got Last Week with us on Judy's podcast, Plus Size Polyamory. Do you think we made that confusing at all? No. And links, <laughs> links to all of these episodes are in the show notes, and we encourage you to go listen. Yes. 
We promise we're going to get into Jessica's interview in just a minute, but we also want to say a, a huge thank you to our entire Patreon community. We're incredibly grateful for you. And if you're out there looking for like-minded people, we would encourage you to check out our Patreon community. We have a monthly Q&A, men's and groups, women's groups, and uh, an ongoing Mimi chat. So all the information is on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the Patreon tab. Yeah, I will say it is an awesome place to go for support, for friendships, and for community. So thank you to everybody who is part of it for all of your support. Yes. And separately from Patreon, we do monthly virtual meet and greets. And these are open to anyone that wants to join. You just must be respectful and open-minded. And awesome. And awesome. Yeah. And we just had one last Friday. It was fantastic. So we're going to do another one in June. It'll just going to be on a Thursday night, uh, Thursday, June 9th. So you can go to our website too. sign up under the community events tab for that event. While you're on the community events tab, you'll also see a link to in-person events. And the next one that we officially have coming up is in mid-September on the weekend of September 17th. We're actually doing a whole weekend of events in New Orleans. There's going to be a pool party. There's going to be a meet and greet. There's going to be a high ropes course. And there's going to be jello wrestling, which you learned about last week on Jude's episode. Oh, yeah. So if you're interested in any of that, uh, coming out for a whole weekend of fun and debauchery, we hope to see you there. Links uh, are in the show notes to where you can sign up and join us. Yes. And while you're on our website, don't forget, go to the Contact Us page. Send us an email. Send us a voicemail. We would love to hear from you. If you'd like to be on the podcast, please let us know. Or if you have any comments, questions, reach out to us. So thank you for that and in advance. Yeah. Well, and you don't have to be another podcaster to come on the podcast. You can just be any old person who wants to share their story. So right. we absolutely love when people reach out to us about anything, but particularly if you want to share your story. Yes. Okay. Now let's go talk to Jessica. Let's do it. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you for being here. We're excited to chat and get to know you better. And it's always fun to talk to fellow podcasters. So uh, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you guys. Yeah. Can we start with having you just doing a general introduction of yourself for the listeners? Yeah. So I am, wow, I got, who, who am I? <laughs> I'm a woman <laughs> um, who's been in a non-monogamous relationship for Actually, the majority of our relationship has been non-monogamous. I married my husband seven and a half years ago, and we had our first sort of accidental, I think, threesome about six months prior to us getting married. And we're both just really normal people. You know, I've been a coach and a facilitator for about six or seven years. Um, before that, I worked in film and television. Before that, I was in nightlife. And now what suits me best is helping other people sort of live their best lives in relationships. So I do a lot of uh, weekend retreats and um, coaching programs to really help people communicate better. And that's why I started the podcast too, I guess. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Yeah, that's super exciting. And, and we'll dig into more on like, the coaching and all of your work and, and we'll come, we'll circle back around to all of that. But I think I'm curious how you fall into an accidental threesome six months before you get married. So maybe, <laughs> maybe take us back there. And then like, what, if any, like exposure did you have to non-monogamy before the accidental threesome? Yeah. So zero exposure to non-monogamy. Um, 
Well, not zero, but I, <laughs> I always make the joke that I actually like walked out of some potential threesomes in my life. Um, not even potential. They went on and happened without me. <laughs> Had I not left, they would have been a threesome. But I, I came from like a pretty, you know, your standard American, like, background of relationship escalator. Like there's really only one way to do this. It's like, you know, you're looking for your partner who you're going to marry. And I was sort of a serial monogamist. I had my high school boyfriend, my college boyfriend, my post-college boyfriend. And in all those relationships, there was either some infidelity or somebody wanting to, or just like, I think overall (laughs) underwhelm sexually in many Mm -hmm. cases, or you know, incompatibility, um, just, you know, all the things. And when I met my husband, Pasha, I had just gotten out of a pretty intense three and a half year relationship where I was really unsatisfied, kind of starved for, you know, emotional attention as well as sexual. Um, there was a lot of sort of depression and heartache in that relationship. And I knew that I didn't want anything like that. I wanted something completely Mm -hmm. different. And I didn't know yet that that would be non-monogamy, but Pasha sort of came to the relationship in the same way where we were both really ripe and ready to design something new, something that was really unique to us. And it started with like radical honesty. We were like, we had both taken a personal development course around the time we started dating And we were like, we just want to be ourselves. And I also wasn't looking for something serious, which was, which interesting. I was like trying to date, even though I had like really strong feelings for him. But when we decided to sort of be together, we were like, this is it. We know we're, we're going to be together for life. Like we had a very strong connection, but we were very honest about like the idea of being with one person forever is kind of daunting. And we see it not work all the time. Like we see it blow up, you know, like a, like a train fire that you can't Mm -hmm. not stare at and not to like make light of it because so many people have beautiful relationships that end because of infidelity. Um, and we both had a lot of that sort of in our past. And I think the the threesome wasn't premeditated, but we had already begun to tell each other, Oh, I think that person's attractive okay, cool. I'm glad you're telling me. Like, I don't want you to deny your basic biology of being aroused when someone else walks by, which is what I think the majority of our society walks around doing once they're with somebody and committed. It's like the switch is supposed to turn off. Mm -hmm. Um, And we didn't want to do that. So we're like, let's be honest with each other about everything. And so we started talking about our sexual desires very early on. And the threesome really was accidental, but I think because we laid this foundation of like honesty and maybe exploration and really like accepting and just always being in the conversation of something that it happened, it it unfolded really naturally and really gracefully because we were like, this feels good. Like, you know, do we want to sort of see where this goes? It was like a kiss at a nightclub that turned into more. And, um, yeah, we ended up like taking home uh, the girl who was a friend of mine actually. And we never really looked back after that. It wasn't like, okay, great. Now we're open, (laughs) but it was like, you know, one thing led to another and we gradually just sort of ended up a few years in being very comfortably open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, the timeline between 
Because it sounds like when you got together, initially, it was sort of the that I think that weird, ambiguous phase. You're sort of open, but you're sort of not. Like n- nobody's really had the define the relationship conversation. But you two came to that very honest. What was the, like the timeline between that and then having the threesome? Because it sounds like there was this period of like we want to be together. We've determined we're for each other, but also we don't want to limit each other. And that's a really interesting like yeah place to sit. Yeah. Let me actually clarify because I'm realizing that it probably did sound ambiguous. We were we were committed and monogamous at that point. So that okay. was a choice that we made coming into it. Mm-hmm. But I think because we didn't really know that there was another way and neither mm-hmm. of us had mm-hmm. any experience with it. So now thinking back being, you know, this way for eight years like if I were dating again, I think I wouldn't enter into a relationship and say, I want this to be an, a monogamous relationship. I maybe would have this like, okay, maybe we'll have a period of monogamy mm-hmm. because looking back, I think that that created a really solid foundation for us. And I wouldn't want to change that. And in fact, yeah. when, when people ask me sort of for advice or coaching, like in a coaching environment, I often recommend that couples have that if they're intended to be committed life partners, because that's what worked for me. And I always tell people, I'm like, this is what worked for me. I don't know if this is what's going to work for you, but we did have a commitment um, and we were living together and we were very monogamous. That was the intention. But I think, you know, it was only because in our experience and from our perspective, we didn't know what anything else could look like. So yeah, that timeline was about a year. So okay. we were like casually dating and hooking up for like six months or so. And then like we didn't talk for a minute, like three months. And then when we like started talking again, we were like together. Like he moved in. We were like, right. <laughs> yeah, I really miss you. And I'm kind of in love with you. Okay, cool. Like <laughs> Pasha moved in. And then it was... About six months later, actually, I said a year. Sorry, I'm realizing now he moved in in the summer and the threesome was on New Year's. So it was six months of monogamy. Um, Yeah. And then we were, yeah, we were married six months later. So that's the time. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to go back and dig into some of that, but I'm just curious what, can you describe what your dynamic looks like right now? in your relationship? What does being open mean to both of you? Yeah. So now we've moved into a place where, you know, we both have the freedom to be with other partners individually, if we'd like. Um, I actually have a pretty full-time life partner. She is a big part of Pasha's life as well. The three of us started a relationship almost three years ago in June. It was very much the three of us all at once. We never really labeled it a triad, but it was for about the first year where we were all very romantically involved. And then they've, they moved into more of a friendship dynamic. They're very much best friends, but she and I continued our romantic dynamic, but now it's very fluid. Sometimes the three of us will be together. Sometimes they'll be together on their own, which is like pretty rare, but she and I are very much like, she's my partner. And, um, we're like a little family. So that, but the three of us each date outside, uh, the relationship, like when time allows, it's like, who actually does that anymore? Pasha's actually, 
<laughs> I was actually going to like a lunch date today, which just hasn't happened in a really long time. But that's our dynamic. And it's definitely, you know, eight years in, and I'm sure you guys, I don't know, go through waves too. Sometimes we're dating and then sometimes we're like, wow, I haven't been on a date with someone else in like six months, you know, because it's, it's just a part of life. It's very flowy. It's not like we're really seeking out other partners. Sometimes we feel the need for that when another person's really busy or like on a big work project, we'll be like, okay, I really need to like consider getting out there and having my needs met. And I think we all go through those phases. Um, so that's where we are today. Yeah. That's oh, beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And I'm just curious, like on that note to, to kind of pick at that, like it, let's say it's you who's in like the throes of work and you're overwhelmed and you're maybe not meeting all of Pasha's needs. And he's like, great, I'm going to go start dating. Do you ever feel like a tinge of like guilt or like, Oh shit, like I'm letting him down. And now he has to go and do this. Like, I know that's, maybe sort of a very monogamous approach, but like, I also think it's sort of ingrained in us to be like, you want to be the person who's like meeting all of the needs or maybe that's me. Like you want to be that person, even though you know you can't, like you still want to be. And then to have it realized like, oh, well, I guess they're kind of going out because I'm not meeting some of these needs. Like how, how does that land for you? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I think um, having had a lot of conversations with other like non-monogamous folk, I think that still comes up for so many because mm-hmm. it is what we're taught from mm-hmm. so early on. It's like the, the model that we're born into, but I can actually say for me, that's not the case. Um, and I don't know if it's because I also get some gratification out of Pasha dating. Um, I get very turned on by him with other people. So that's like, and we realized that very early on, we, but we share that. So although we've like had bouts of, of jealousy or, or maybe like worked through a little bit of what you're asking in the beginning, but pretty much no, it's so funny because when you brought this up, I'm like, I feel worse when like he orders food like out from somewhere, which is so different because I think what was instilled in me also from such a young age about like, what is a good wife or what is a good Mm -hmm. woman? I did a lot of cooking when we first got married because that was what was taught to me. So I would find myself stressed if he would like order food from like a, a restaurant because like, I should be able to like take care of those things. But when it comes to sex, I have zero, (laughs) (laughs) zero like guilt about it. Um, at least now I think maybe there was a little bit of it in the very beginning. Um, when we were sort of like figuring out our footing in, in -hmm. an open relationship, but no. And it's such a good question. I wonder if he ever feels that way about me. I don't think so. Like I said, because we sort of share that same, like he really enjoys when I go out and I really enjoy when he goes out. Um, But yeah, that's funny because my mind immediately went to food. I'm like, no, but if he like has to order a sandwich for lunch, I'm like, damn it, I should have been there. I get it. Should have made that sandwich. I get it. Well, And it's one of those things that's so interesting that like, because like on an intellectual level, like I get it. Like I can't meet all of, anybody's needs so like on that intellectual level like completely get it but then when you're sort of facing it sometimes it just still hits you hard even like you like with food you're like i know i can't make every meal for pasha 
but still like if he's got to order out like i still feel like a tinge of like Ugh. like i i failed here in some way so i yeah. it's interesting like the the dichotomy between what like the intellectual and the, like the emotional oh totally we think that like they're always supposed to be on the same page and um, it's really like the body that we should be listening to for all of our sort of processing. Yeah. 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 I want to take a step back and go back to the, I guess you had mentioned that in the beginning of your relationship, you hadn't, uh, either, neither one of you had any experience with open relationships or different types of relationships. So it was all very new. How, I'm assuming it didn't all go like super smoothly all of the time. Like what are some of the challenges that both of you encountered early yeah. on in that, in the journey? We, we went really slow, um, into like having experiences just together and sort of dissecting them or not dissecting them, but like really enjoying them and not pushing for like what was next. And then sometimes like one of us would be the driver. Like, I really want to do this. And Pasha was that person a lot in the beginning, which created a lot of like uncomfortable kind of feelings for me because this was like so brand new. I had a lot of shame around like sex and sexuality and I didn't want anybody to find out. I wanted it to be like a secret, which it was for like, the better part of five years. So I struggled a lot as he was pushing the envelope, even though there were things that I wanted to do. So it was never like, you know, cause you see that a lot in like non-monogamous couples where you can tell like one person really wants to be there. Like I would tell him these things that I wanted to do and then he would go try to make them happen. I'd be like, but wait, <laughs> you know, um, that's too much. That's yeah, too much. <laughs> because I was always trying to like keep myself small and like be in this box and like, what if somebody finds out or what if there's people we know at the sex party? And he's like, then we know that they're also at the sex party. He's like, you see, it works both ways. So that was really hard for me. It was really hard for me to like do the thing that felt good for me. I think because I was taught my whole life that I'm not supposed to enjoy these things. And also these mm -hmm. things are very sexually deviant, which would make me a bad person. So, you know, trying things out, dating men on my own um, was like a big hurdle, um, which Pasha was encouraging because we were at a point in our lives where our schedules were the complete opposite. And we were both working. Well, he was working a lot more than I was actually. Um, and so he was really encouraging me to like go out. And I remember like the first time that I ever went on a date with another guy alone, I was like trembling actually. I was so nervous because I felt like, you know, you're just, you have this big secret and you're doing something that's so taboo. And it also showed me that I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself period in dating other people which was interesting. It had me reflect on how I really only ended up in relationships with people who would like kind of want to be in a relationship with me. I was never mm -hmm. like, Oh, that person, I find them attractive. I'm going to go, you know, confidently talk to them or ask them out or something like that. So I grew up a lot in the first couple of years. And I'm so grateful that like Pasha really helped me lead with like what felt good and constantly come back to like, but how do you feel about this? Not like, what do you think about it? 
because I was so concerned with like what other people thought and who was going to find out. And then we had like little, I think we each went through a bit of jealousy, you know, but it was pretty early on, like, you know, the two to three year mark of trying things out separately, which was a cause for us to like work on our self-worth and, you know, sort of those things about like a bit, whether it was abandonment or rejection, but those were pretty minor. I think that's what a lot of people think about. That's going to be like the really hard thing, but it was minor for both of us. And then, yeah, I think like for the last four years, it's been really easy to navigate for both of us. I mean, we're personal development junkies. So when we see like, you know, some shadow work or like a problem, we're like, yeah, let's like dive in and dissect this. And we've learned a lot bringing a third person really into our relationship, like full time, you know, obviously that always changes and shifts things and kind of helps you realize, oh, now we all need relationship agreements between each relationship. And um, so it hasn't always been smooth sailing, but I would say that when it comes to navigating this like open container, it's been a lot more beauty and a lot more joy than it has been stress or heartache or uncomfortable emotions. Um, while those do come up, they're like totally eclipsed by everything else that's been like magic about this sort of type of relationship, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing all of that. And like, as you were talking, it was, it was interesting, especially around your journey of the, the shame around sex and, and, things that you wanted to do, but yet were ner- like, you had to work through your own shit about doing that. And then fast forward, getting to the point now, what you were talking about before I asked that question around, uh, you know, it's, it's feels like you've come a long way is my point is like the, the journey has very much been a personal growth, but also relationship growth for the two of you, which makes sense. Like that's what it's, I mean, usually both people, especially you said like we're personal growth junkies, like it's going to take that, but that path, but I don't know. I just appreciate you, you sharing all of, all of those challenges and speed, uh, speed bumps that you hit because it's, we're all human. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what I always love sharing is like, it's, it's not all sunshine and roses and you know, I think most people know that if they're, if they're listening and they're thinking about getting into this kind of relationship or they're somewhere on Mm -hmm. that path, but I found, and I think most people that I chat with that the, the good and the expansiveness like vastly outweighs any sort of, you know, speed bump or, um, dark time. And usually those dark times really turn into like your greatest growth. So it's like, why wouldn't you want to, you know, see right. what's on the other side of all of that, as I'm sure like you guys have, have experienced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the follow-up question about the shame specifically, because that's something that I can relate to a lot. And I think a lot of people can, because I mean, look at our society and what, what we're all taught and about relationships and sex. And do you have any I guess, tips or strategies for somebody that is going through that journey right now and trying to let go of that shame and, and think about sex differently. Or or how did you work through that yourself? Yeah. Wow. Such a great question. 
don't even know how to sort of organize it, but <laughs> for myself and my own journey, you know, I think it, it really comes back to like looking at yourself and loving yourself. And it sounds so cliche and it's like also sounds so simple, but it's not easy to do. It's not easy to sort of accept yourself on every level and realize that it literally doesn't matter what anyone thinks of you. And if you lead with like trying to control someone else's opinion or judgment of you, you will like lose your whole life, not living for yourself. Um, and so I unpacked a lot of my shame by doing things that felt like they were going to bring me shame or cause me shame and to talk about it with people who I knew would judge me um, or who I thought would judge me actually, because so many people didn't, you know, starting to share it and opening up and not like power through. It doesn't matter how I feel, but then to sit with my feelings after and just be with them and journal about them and sort of reflect back on like, well, where do I feel it in my body? Right. Doing somatic work has been like some of the best healing work I've ever done. I've done a lot of, you know, medicine ceremonies and, and things of that nature, mm -hmm. which I, you know, like I love that worked for me on so many levels where I could really go into like the depths of, you know, the way that my mind works. And when you can see that, like, this is stuff that you've been, that's been ingrained in you and is not the actual truth of the matter. Because a lot of times, like on different plant medicines, you really see how the mind works. You can like sit with it and be with it. And you're like, holy shit, this has never been a choice of my own. And this is not true. You know, this is something that I was born into and that society handed me. Um, and so when you kind of have that realization, it's really, it's such an empowered um, perspective to come from and realize that you can create a new, a new sort of story for yourself around sex and sexuality. And then to put that into practice, like I said, doing the things that you think are going to cause you to feel those feelings until you start doing them. And you're like, Oh, I don't feel that way anymore. Okay, cool. You know, now this feels good. And then to come back to the journal and like, remind yourself, I used to feel this way when I would do this. And now I don't Now I feel this way. It's such a, it's such a process. And I think it's so nuanced for every person, but I would highly recommend prioritizing anything that would feel good for your own healing. My friend Marie Louisa actually said this on my podcast once, cause I was like, what does it mean to do deep healing work? Like cause people hear that and they're like, mm -hmm. okay, like what, do the healing work, you know? And I'm like doing this cause I'm, you know, a lot of my work is as an integrative healer also, but it's like prioritize anything that would feel good for you. A breathwork session, a yoga class, setting intentions for yourself in the morning and like taking those aspects of your life that you want to work on and really looking at them and saying, okay, like, how can I do this? That feels good and feels authentic to me. Like not everybody loves yoga. Maybe you could like, maybe running's your thing. We'll go on a run and listen, you know, to, to, to podcasts or work or books that challenge your ideas about, you know, sex and sexuality and what's the norm because there's so much amazing content out there now that can show people a different way. I think when it comes to, um, sex, sexuality and shame, because the reality is like everyone's introduction to sex is shame these days with the lack of education that we have around it. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, that would be my, that would be my sort of, I guess, recommendation for people who want to work on the shame piece. And I think that's like all of us on some level. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you for mm-hmm. all of that. I, I, I resonate with a lot of what you said. So, <laughs> so, um, and going into speaking to the healing piece, what healing piece, you know, what, what can people do in thinking about, and maybe that's exploration of things that you don't know what necessarily is going to feel good in that moment. And so trying something new and, or trying something that day and recognizing that, Hey, this might feel good today, but it might not feel good every day. <laughs> like there's, It's just a journey and recognizing that your body is the way your body is, can be different every single day. Um, and yeah. finding what works best for you. Yeah. Totally. Cause we're constantly evolving, right? You like right. said it so well, we are changing all the time and what's true for you today might not be true for you tomorrow or in a year. Um, actually I just had a really amazing guest on and you just made me think mm-hmm. of this. Um, her name is Nadej and she's a sex scholar and she, um, helps people with erotic wellness, which I think is like such an interesting kind of concept. And it's, it's the whole practice is focused on rewiring your body for pleasure and erotic wellness. And it has, you know, doesn't have anything to do inherently with sex, although like it can, right. can you know, deal with sex and sexuality, but it's like finding everyday things that can like bring you pleasure and getting present to that could be like simply like taking a walk outside and realizing, okay, this is bringing me pleasure. And like, where do I feel it in my body and let me be present to it. And so I know that when I want to bring myself pleasure, this is something I can go do. And it's just brilliant because when you think about it, as we were saying, like everyone's introduction to these types of things are usually shame or uncomfortability or fear, right? Especially for yeah. women. Right. Um, we're taught to fear it. We're told it's going to hurt. It's going to you know, be uncomfortable. And there's a lot of bad things that can happen from it. So it's sort of like taking that piece and realizing, okay, I get to reparent myself now. How can I rewire my body to like feel safe in pleasure? Because so yeah. much of us or so many of us will then find pleasurable experiences and resist them subconsciously or get triggered in those experiences, even if there's like nothing bad or wrong with them, but that's how we're wired. It's like, oh, this is going to feel good. I'm going to close myself off to it. Right. Or I'm going to like tighten my, you know, (laughs) contract my pelvis because like, that's, you know, you're waiting for something to not feel good in that experience. So yeah, it's like rewiring, reparenting all of it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and I think too, like you, you kind of said earlier that like you don't feel the guilt or burden of uh, back to the sandwich uh, example, right? Like you feel very much around food and preparing food, but I know for uh, a lot of women that like they have that same guilt around sex that like sex is a thing I'm supposed to provide. And it almost becomes a chore rather than a thing that they figure out what it is they want and how they want it and when they want it. And then getting that rather than like, this is what I think I'm supposed to provide. I'm, you know, I'm supposed to provide three square meals a day to my, to my husband versus like, what do I want? What feels Mm -hmm. good to me? How does it work for me? And so I think that 
discovery of yourself is really important as well and 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 hard to do yeah Um, very hard to do thank you for for sharing it in that way and putting like a really nice i think button on that because it's true it's challenging yeah i mean men men have their own you know obviously like their own set of stuff to deal with but it really is so tough i think for most women in our you know, society and maybe not for like this Gen Z, like they maybe have it figured out, but I think like, you know, our generation to feel like empowered and feel like sex is for us and should be for us as much as it's yeah. for men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to say it, but I think men have it worse. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Do tell. No, 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 it's for a different, that's a different podcast. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bore you with the details. You need to make sure that that, that sarcasm comes through. That's that's emphasized. So, so though talking a little bit about the evolution, like the, the growth that you've gone through and I'm assuming Pasha has gone through and, and your other partner, what, like, what did the evolution look like from accidental threesome to now you have a person essentially living with you and essentially you, you've referred to her as, as a life partner. And like, and I kind of ask this because I know there are many people who start down the non-monogamy route in like a casual way. Some will call it swinging or just, well, we're going to go to sex parties here and there. And then they're like, well, yeah, we can go to a sex party. But then they hear like, oh, shit, I'm going to have someone like living with me in a year. Like it's a it's a scary leap. So I'm curious what that what that evolution was for you two and the growth that happened along there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it was like in the beginning, a, a lot of things we did together, whether it was like going to a sex party or having a threesome or we had this amazing experience with a couple at Burning Man, which I think was like one of the more eye-opening, like, oh, this is something we're probably not going to back out of <laughs> this non <Right. laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think that was the first time where I was like, we are definitely never going to be vanilla again because this is too good. So we went from that sort of in the first two years of like dipping our toes into different things and then realizing like we're really not into sex parties we're really not like, you know, super into these other things. We really enjoyed uh, us having our own deep connections with people, whether that be like with one other woman and the two of us or us individually, like having our own thing and then being able to kind of like share about it a little bit, but very much having like this thing that was separate from our relationship, but always adding to it. We've always met each other's partners um, for the most part, like if they were, you know, meaningful people in our lives. And then we met Lauren and I think there was a little inkling that we both were really looking for something. Look, I've always had more connected experiences and connected relationships with the other men that I've dated. I've never, I never really dated another woman before Lauren without, without Pasha. Um, Well, maybe there was like one, but um, Pasha was always sort of, he didn't have as much like time to invest and he also doesn't work that way. He was more like, I'm going on a trip and I'm going to have this fling or like I have this little thing here, but it's going to fizzle out very quickly. And so I was like really excited about the opportunity and the idea of him like having real feelings for someone else. And we had sort of talked about it a little bit, what it would be like to have a more full-time like woman in our lives, but it wasn't like an intention. And then we met Lauren And we didn't really plan for it. It was just like, 
very apparent that she was going to be a big part of our lives. She was living with our best friend. Um, we had all done like sort of a, a course together where we got to know each other really well that just sort of opened us up to that. And she, she actually moved to LA like before anything became romantic, but she was like a good friend and then moved to LA, moved in with our best friend who lives like half a mile from her house. So we were spending all this time together and it just sort of happened naturally where, you know, we started hooking up and it didn't fizzle out. And I think all of us sort of knew the gravity of like what was happening and it, she never ended up moving in, but she lives so close. It's like, you know, whatever. Um, we just sort of went with the flow. We were like, okay, this is this now. And things never really got dicey. We had a couple of moments of where, oh, we actually need to create boundaries and agreements with Lauren because she sort of, I think for her, and I can't really speak a lot to her journey, but, you know, she's been on my show a couple of times and has shared, you know, she had to learn, like she had no experience with non-monogamy and then came into a relationship with five plus years of it. And so I think the first time that she saw Pasha, like flirting with another girl was like really challenging for her. And so there was a lot of discussion and a lot of processing around what this looks like, because for the first like six months, there was like none of that. Mm-hmm. And then he was sort of like, well, I, I really enjoy my life the way that it was. And I like also enjoy this. Is there a way where we can have both? And for all of us, this was like a big discussion of like, okay, no one dated anyone else for like six to nine months, but then we did open it up. And Lauren very quickly, I think similar to me was like, oh wait, this is even better. This is something that I was afraid of, but like, you know, seeing him have this and we've had like amazing experiences with us and like other women, which, you know, has been awesome, all of it. And I think that there was a moment where I even wanted more. I was the only one who was like, can we move this into more of a commitment or more of a something? Um, and they were both like, it, this is perfect the way it is. Like I was entertaining the idea of like Lauren moving in and like where that would go. And they were both like, that's not really what we want. So I had my first like, huh, a little bit of like almost like a, like a letdown or like my, this thing that I had thought about, like my dream idea of like what would happen. And they were like, no, <laughs> that's for you. And I was like, okay, so that's interesting. And then the other thing that I'll share that was really challenging for me was Lauren and I have a very interesting dynamic being both women. So, and I don't know if you've ever like gone through this, um, Emma, but you know, we have a lot of like sister energy and then there's been like energy where it's been very much like mother daughter sometimes, right? Because we have all these different dynamics and we're also business partners. We've, we've built a business together and we've worked together for two plus years now. Um, and so our romance a lot of times does fall to the back burner and our mission in life and like how we want to help other women and the things that we're doing really take precedence. And so there was a point in time where when Lauren was dating another guy um, and she had dated before, but it never really struck me as anything to be concerned about and nothing really ever bothered me, but she started dating somebody who I felt like could hurt her. 
um, because I, I noticed like her feelings were really strong. And um, I just like sort of, you know, looked at it and I was like, oh my God, I had like a major freak out. And I was super triggered by the fact that I couldn't control their relationship and I couldn't keep her safe. And that was like something I'd never gone through. And then we had a whole like, kind of like a blow up about it. And um, we had like a little bit of a breakup. <laughs> it was like a, we didn't talk for till we needed some space. And I hadn't been through a heartbreak since um, previous to Pasha and I like committing to each other to be, you know, together in that like period of monogamy we did have, we kind of hurt each other a little bit in like our casual fun time because we both have feelings for each other already. And, um, that wasn't even really a heartbreak. It was like a blip on the radar compared to like what I actually felt like when I thought like I might lose Lauren. Cause I never really felt like I would lose Pasha on some level. Like I knew he would always be in my life. And that was so interesting. Cause I was like, Oh, the beauty of non-monogamy is you can really fall again. You know, you fall in a lot of like and a lot of limerence, maybe even fall in love, watch your partner fall in love again. Like, I think that's so beautiful. And most people listening are probably like, well, that's scary as fuck, but I promise you it can be like really beautiful. But I didn't think about the other side of the coin as you can get your heart broken again. <laughs> and then when it <laughs> happened with Lauren, I was like, you know, really, obviously this sucks, but it was actually so amazing to feel something that I felt like I maybe would never feel again, or maybe I'm not going to feel this again because I'm so safe with Pasha in my life until we're old. And maybe like he passes away before me, obviously then I'm going to go through major heartbreak, but to look at it and be like, wow, these are like major life milestones and crazy emotional feelings. And to get to a place where I was like, it actually feels good because it feels so deeply that human experience um, was really wild. It was like almost a huge awakening for me to feel that way. And of course, like after our two weeks of like taking some space, we were like, okay, let's just get back to business as usual. Cause we can't not be in each other's lives. Um, and so, and that was like a year ago. So those are the, I think the big things and the big shifts and how we went from not having a third person to having a third person in our lives. And now we're in a space where we're pretty much a family and we really support each other. And, um, Lauren's dating right now. And, um, you know, Pasha and I are getting ready to have a child. So we're like, we are entertaining the idea of, well, not entertaining. We're actively looking for a surrogate. I shouldn't say entertaining. Um, but I had a, I had a procedure um, about 10 years ago. So I can't actually get pregnant. So we froze embryos and now we're like in this phase of our lives. So, um, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's really exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, that's like, yeah, that's incredible that just the journey, the journey and the, the it hasn't been easy, but it's also been full of so many beautiful moments and where you're at now is you it feels like you have um some groundedness in your relationships and you're ready to do other things in life like explore I mean have children and, yeah. and go down that path which is a uh um a whole new adventure um which is amazing mm -hmm. how did 
you, you talked a little bit about how you sounded like you were like, I want more out of this. Like, I want to maybe move in together. I want to take this, you know, let's go back to the escalator, right? Let's get back on the relationship escalator. And you kind of got shut down. How, like, how did you move through that? Because that's a, that's a hard spot to like, be like, so excited. I'm, I'm want to do this. And you bring that to two other people and they're like, yeah, nope. And then you're like, Ugh. like, that's a, that's kind of a gut yeah. punch in a lot of ways. Well, I think it's not like I had all of my like eggs in that basket and I was like, this sure. is it for me. But mm-hmm. I was kind of like, do you guys want to like do that? It was, it was a bit more like a discussion. Um, sure. and they, were really like gentle with me. It wasn't like they were like, no, <laughs> no, <for that. laughs> I probably made it sound like that, but they were like, things are amazing the way that they are. Um, and it really opened the discussion too of like, well, we do want to have children, you know, Posh and I are 37 and 38 and Lauren's only 32. So I was like, well, we want to have kids like relatively soon. So it actually really didn't make sense for Lauren to like move in unless she also wants to be like a bigger part of that, which yeah. she she's obviously going to be, you know, a big part of our kids' lives. Like, you know, Aunt Lola will be here a lot. Um, but it's not like she wants to be like living in that situation. So it made a lot of sense. I was kind of like really wrapped up in my own like fantasy land about it, but it wasn't like a hard pill to swallow. It was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. You know, and Lauren really does um, or at least did at the time, like want to find her own person as far as like her own male partner, but she's gone back and forth a lot over the years of like, but maybe actually this is the love of, these are the loves of my life. So we always, you know, she always says like, I'm, I'm the love of her life. And I, I say it back because she is like in our lives and like a major love of my life. So I think that, knowing that we were never going to lose each other. It just wasn't going to go down that road, but being open to the possibility of like the road that we're on is already incredible and so much better. Um, I think made it easy for me. It wasn't like, uh, Oh, well that's not what I want. So now I've got to reevaluate. It was like, I love what we have already and I get to support her in, you know, dating and because like if she wants to, you know, have her own partner and get married and like have children that's what I want too. Like I want that for her and we'll like, you know, be cute moms together separately. <laughs> and I was like, are you sure you don't want to just get pregnant with us? <laughs> like, there was like that big moment and they were like, no, and we're, that's not what we're, that's not what we want. I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Um, so yeah. And like Lauren's gone through a lot of different, you know, I feel like I'm speaking for her again, but this is stuff that she's actually shared, you know, publicly. It's like, she feels so content right now with what she's doing and her mission and like her work as, you know, facilitator and a coach that she is like, hasn't even really like had time for a lot of dating. And she's been really good in that. And so it's mm-hmm. been really, I think, healthy to have the relationship that we have because we meet a lot of her needs um, because she's like, I don't want to be dating right now. I don't have time. And it's a distraction from what I really love, which is like, what she, you know, she's a intuitive massage therapist and, you know, meditation coach. And she's just like so powerful in what she's up to. So I think it's the beauty of non-monogamy that I think people miss out on a lot, right? Because I don't know, you guys, you've done a lot more interviews than I ever have, but 
I think people write in after my shows and they like have all of these questions about sex. It's always about sex. And I'm like, you guys realize sex is like 10% of my relationship with Lauren probably. Right. And so much of it is like all of the other things that we're doing in the world. And so non-monogamy is this incredible tool for people to always have like a really safe space and be getting their needs met from like multiple people because that is such a better container to be your most expansive self in other parts of your life because you're not just coming back to like one person all the time mm-hmm. to like look for all of these things if that makes sense um mm-hmm. yeah 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 well and it, and it too i think it, one thing that i like was thinking of as you were talking is i think there are some some people like personality wise that are more drawn to the okay what's next where is this going Versus some people are just like, hey, we're here. This is amazing. Let's let's just be in this moment together. And I think sometimes it's the like, how do you find the perfect balance of those two? Like, I'm here and I'm present and I'm loving what we're doing, but also I'm driven to grow and learn and evolve, but that's not all I do. And like finding that balance of those two is a for me a huge challenge. And I think when you get into a relationship, even with two people, and if one person is more of the like here and now and one is the driver, like that can cause a lot of difficulty. But then like go and add a third or a fourth or a fifth. And now you've got like four different iterations of that same thing. And you're like, okay, how do all these pieces fit together? And it can really be it can be a struggle, mm-hmm. especially if, if two of them line up and one of them doesn't. And now all of a sudden it feels like, well, these two people are more aligned than this third person or the fourth person. And it can, that can cause a lot of like fear and insecurity. At least I've recognized that for sort of for me. Yeah, um, totally. Doing this. Yeah. And it's super rare to like find a third person that like you and your partner, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. saying, have the same feelings towards and everyone like has sort of an equal um, attachment or interest, right? Or desire for the other person. Like it's so rare. So it's, I, you know, listening to other people like in our space, you know, who, who educate or talk about this stuff, like on social media, you hear a lot of like, This is like the hardest thing to sort of manifest in your life. And like, look at us, we're a prime example of it. There actually isn't an equal, I think, chemistry or desire, Mm -hmm. like sexually on all parts. Um, But it works for us because we were like, okay with things shifting and changing. And I think, you know, to speak to what you're saying, it's not always going to be easy. But what can help you is just being curious about where something will go rather than trying Mm -hmm. to keep it like what you think it should be or like what the expectation of this is all being equal. Cause it likely will never be that, that way. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I can't imagine adding like a fourth person to uh, (laughs) have no desire to, right. Because like we're about to, and it's going to be like a child. So (laughs) that will take like full priority, obviously. And we'll probably never have sex with anyone else ever. For at least five years. <laughs> I was like, don't say never. Don't yeah. say never. <laughs> but yeah. Um, one thing you've touched on in a little while ago is that you're 
you wanted everything to be a secret for a a long time. Mm -hmm. And you've obviously come a long ways in that because you have your own podcast. And I was curious if you could touch on that, that journey a little bit and and where you're at now with what inspired you to start the podcast. Um, Yeah, I did very much want to keep it a secret. And I never imagined, I never even imagined like a super open relationship. Even in the beginning, I was like, oh, this is this fun sort of thing that we'll do in these early years of our marriage. And then we'll like put it back in this box and it'll be something we like talk about when we're 70. But, you know, slowly but surely things opened up and I got more comfortable with like our close friends finding out and sharing with like some of my really good girlfriends. And then I, so it was sort of twofold. I go to Burning Man every year. Um, I've been going for a a while now, since like 2014. And I have this amazing community. We're a family. Like our camp has grown from like 30 people to about 150. And it's more than that, but 150 people maybe show up every year, but we're like a big family of maybe 200 people. And we've gotten really close over the years and they all sort of knew before maybe anyone else in my life because, you know, it's Burning Man and people are just very loving and accepting, especially this group of people. And a lot of them were sort of also maybe not a lot of them, but a few people like open and very accepting and like be who you are, love who you love, whatever. So they encouraged me to give a talk at Burning Man. Um, cause our camp has this epicenter where we host people to do like TEDx style talks and different classes and workshops and things like that. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. So in 2019, I gave my first talk about non-monogamy and opened up sort of to that space publicly. And it was so well received and people who I like love and respect, even my friends who are like monogamous, who've been married for 25 years that like Posh and I look at their relationship and we're like, oh my God, if we like, I hope that we're this happy. And I hope that like our family looks like this. And they're just such great role models. They were like, we learned so much from your talk about like our relationship dynamic. And, you know, they're likely never going to be open. Right. Or even maybe even like try anything that's like monogamish, but just like, the communication and the talking about desires and being honest about things or maybe like dipping their toes into like kink or whatever it was. That to me was like such an eye opener of like, Oh my God, I could be helping people. And I'm not, you know, because I'm scared that people are going to judge me. Like my own shame was the issue. So I opened up sort of to the world about it. And this was right around the time that Lauren became like a really big part of our lives. And so I told my parents because you know, I'm going to hide her. Like that was also like a big shift. And so we told everybody in our families, everyone was so accepting. And then the podcast was like a bigger evolution. Um, I, you know, I had told everybody that I knew already loved me, so it wasn't scary, but the greater like worlds, I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about my sex life on the internet. Are you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) But it got to a point where I was in a coaching um, container on a big weekend. I used to kind of mentor coach these, these classes. I don't even know what you would call them, but it would be like 60 people for like a weekend there to work on themselves. And I was sitting in the back of the room with a table of coaches. There were like eight of us. And there was a theme that day. People were ashamed of themselves. People were unhappy in relationships, had a really hard time staying 
monogamous or not people who were like committed to monogamy, but like watched porn and felt like that was, you know, cheating, which if your relationship agreement is that like, you're not doing that, then that, that could be right. Um, but like, I remember seeing this like 22 year old girl who was distraught because she had to like watch pornography and didn't want to tell her boyfriend because like they had talked about it. And then this other guy who was like 30 and had been through a series of monogamous relationships and really loved the woman that he was with, but fantasized about other women. And so he broke up with her the week before he came into the course, you know? And it was like, it was like they were speaking to me and I was just sitting there and like, I was watching this, this man, this 30 year old guy, like cry about because he really loved this woman. And he left her because he was like, I can't live with myself. She doesn't deserve this. And I was like, people are hurting. Like People are really, really hurting because they are trying to fit into a model that's so broken. I like get emotional actually thinking about it. People try to fit themselves into a model that just, it doesn't work for everybody. Like it works for some and some people love it. And I'm like so happy when it does. But I think for the vast majority of people, the very classic like nuclear family monogamy, like till death do us part just doesn't work and it's not healthy. And it causes so much, I think, depression, anxiety, and shame. And it's just this cycle that we all live in that we're trying to like live up to. And so I felt like if I could be a voice for something different and at least show people that there is a healthy, very sustainable way to live differently, then I have to do that. Like I can't just sit back because I'm worried that people are going to judge me. And so that was like the cause for me to start open late. And yeah, that was probably the biggest, I think, shift in my life about like telling the world that like, okay, there is another way. And then I found all of you guys, which has been beautiful. I'm like, wait, there are so many other people who are talking about this. After I started my own podcast, I was like, maybe I could have just sent other people's podcasts to everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I'm so glad that it, that it happened that way because I think I've always been one of those people who's like, it has to not be about me for me to want to do something really big. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's kind of my why for Open Late. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love awesome. it. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious on the, like on the coaching piece, were you doing coaching before non-monogamy entered the picture or is that a relic? Like maybe a better question is like, what, like how long have you been coaching? Like what, what drew you to coaching? And then like, what has like the training and journey in terms of like educating yourself on that looked like over the last few years? Yeah. Um, they sort of happen kind of simultaneously. Yeah. And, you know, looking back, it's like, Oh, that makes sense. I didn't think they really had anything to do with one another. I think I've always been a coach type of person. I've always been the girl that all my girlfriends come to and like ask for advice or come to for counsel on things, even in, in my family. And I didn't really start doing it actively for work for a while. For I, I've been doing it for work maybe for about five or six years, maybe even only five okay. years of like as my job. Um, I started taking on people like as clients, even just helping people even for free because I was like, Oh, I'm good at this. And these are my good friends. 
um, mm-hmm. probably about six years ago. And the training, well, it's been interesting. I, I think I was going to that first, very first personal development program that I did, you know, gosh, now, like, I guess t- eight, nine, nine years ago. And in that program, you can mentor a coach as a volunteer, which is what I was just describing, kind of like listening to all of those people. And I had, I would go back to do that every couple of years. So I would go and like volunteer and sort of, that was my first, I guess, like training, even though it's not really a training program, but once Mm -hmm. you go through that program, you can be asked to come back. And so you kind of like, you do it as like an assistant coach first, and then you do it as like a mentor coach. So that was sort of my first, like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of good at this and I can help people. And I have a very strong intuition for like what people need. And I'm also really objective. Like I can ask really great questions. And I started to identify that in myself. And then I did a yoga teacher training, which, you know, is very different, but also feels very much like you're really helping, you're coaching people like on their mental health and their wellness. Like if you take that route as a yoga teacher, you could also do it just kind of like the fitness route. But for me, it was about meditation and guiding people and breath work. And so I did a little bit of that. And then um, I did like a wellness counseling certification at like Cornell. You know, I just I kind of like picked up these little things. Um, then I started, then I really went down like the wellness journey route like five years ago and started doing sound meditation facilitation and I, then I finally did a coaching, like an actual coaching certification course, um, a few years ago, which is called the quantum coaching Academy. And that's like, you know, gets you to be like, um, ICF certified, which is like the international coaching federation, which is like, you know, recognized all over. Um, so I sort of reverse engineered it. And, um, I only really did that program because I thought I was going to coach in the corporate environment, which I never ended up doing. It was like, I should probably do this thing. It was an amazing program, actually. And the woman who founded it, I've known her for a long time. She's an incredible coach. So I'm so glad I did it. But that's been my journey through coaching. And I've always sort of, I think like there's always been this theme of like people come to me for these other things, but I help them with their relationships. And so it's yeah. only like kind of naturally made sense now that Open Lead has happened. And I'm actually creating a course um, for people who want to open up or who want to at least like have open conversations about non-monogamy and like how to do that. Um, And so I'm like working on that right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking us through that. And I just, I think I love how you sort of just have followed what felt like you needed or what was, what people were needing of you. And then you found a way to sort of fill that void and meet, meet that need. Like you said, it was, you're more drawn to do something if you sense a need from somebody else than an internal kind of need. Yeah. Which is like beautiful, but also kind of a curse. Cause anytime I sense a need, I try to fill it. <laughs> no I idea get, what that's like. Yeah, the older I get, I know it's like the sandwich thing, right? The older I get though, the more, the better I'm getting at being like, that's not for me, but yeah. I know this other person who it is. So I've been like stepping back a lot and connecting other people, which feels really good. Um, yeah. 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 Love it. And can you talk a little more about the podcast itself? Just like what is, what's the format? What do people expect if they check it out? And yeah, what, what, 
Yeah. Tell us all the things about Open Late. Yeah. So it's it's really fun because initially I was like, okay, I'm going to do a podcast and people really want to hear like fun stories. A lot of people are going to want to listen because they want to hear like the juice and the dirt, right? Um, but I... It's, I, I was an actor for a while and, you know, worked in film and TV and like, I went to college for theater. And so I'm like, oh, it has to be put together. And this is going to be a lot of like upfront, you know, work if it's like just me. So I knew I wanted to have guests, but I also wanted my audience to get to know me, my listeners. So mm-hmm. I decided that for, for the first like 10 or 15 episodes or so, I would actually have people interview me. Perfect. So that they could draw out of me the things that I probably would never share, not being like provoked, you know? So for the first, you know, little bit of the show, I actually have a guest on every every episode and they interview me about my journey through non-monogamy. So everything that I've really shared with you two today and everyone who's listening is broken down over the course of like the first 12 episodes. So okay. you really get to understand like each chapter of what Pasha and I went through and then like meeting Lauren and then, like I have Lauren and Pasha both on um, at different points. And then after I felt like I had really told my story so people could understand, okay, if I'm going to listen to this podcast, it's from the perspective of like this woman. So people really know who I am. Then I shifted into having guests on and really interviewing them. And people that now I'm interested in, and I think like my listeners would really benefit from from hearing. So um, I've done a couple solo episodes. I'm sure I'll do more solos in the future. But the main format now is like me interviewing um, guests who either have you know non monogamous relationships or experience with it, um, all the way to like people who are into kink or experts. Um, you know, wellness and sexual health is like, you know, a huge topic that I want to dive deeper into. So I recently had on a friend, um, who's like a pelvic floor expert. Um, so yeah, it's kind of now like really fun because like, that's, what's fun for me is I want to know. So I want to ask the questions and have some really amazing people on. I had the funny Dom on this week. So he is like a pretty well-known dom who likes to teach people about the, those kink dynamics in like a really safe and healthy way. So yeah, that's, that's kind of it. And I know people want to hear from more, you know, couples and people who are practicing non-monogamy. So I'm actively looking for more people like the two of you who I can't wait to have on my show now, (laughs) because I think people really want to know, like, what's the journey been like? And it looks so different for every single one of us. You know, like, and if you interviewed my husband, you would probably get like a completely different perspective on our relationship. And so I'm hoping to share more of that this year, especially, and just kind of see where it goes. But yeah, I love listening to what the listeners want to. I do a lot of quizzes on my Instagram where I'm like, would you rather this or this? And then I just go with it. I'm like, okay, this is what people want to hear. So. Awesome. Well, I love it. I love the, the, I think the idea of starting by having people interview you is genius. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know that the interviewing other people has much traction in it, but uh, just, that's, <laughs> that's, that's all we do. So I think, I think you'll be okay. Um, and I'm excited to, we're excited to come on your show and love to have Pasha on and Lauren. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, super excited for this and thank you for sharing everything. Is there anything, any questions, Emma, that you have that, that, we haven't gotten out there or anything, Jessica, that you have that you want to share that we haven't asked about yet? 
None for me, by the way. I was going to ask the same thing. None for Emma? (laughs) At the moment. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think you guys... You guys covered it. This is a really amazing interview. I'm so, so glad that you guys had me on. I really appreciate uh, sharing the story and just giving people like a different perspective and a different um, sort of road to choose if they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been a great conversation. And thank you for, for sharing everything and for the work you do. And I will uh, say that I would love, and I'm sure Emma would as well, to have you back on in like two years when you've got a child and you're still navigating open relationships (laughs) and like, what does that look like? Because that is such a huge step, even just for a monogamous couple to bring a child into the world. And now you're bringing a child into the world in this relationship container that I think a lot of people would say like, Oh, well, yeah, that's great. You can do that, but not if you have kids and that Mm -hmm. like flying in the face of that, I think is, is a is a beautiful step coming up so i'm excited to see how that goes yeah thank you yeah i would love to we'll see how it goes <laughs> yeah perfect we'll see well thank you again jessica and have a fantastic rest of your morning yeah thank you so much thanks you too and we're back a huge thank you to Jessica for coming on our podcast and for sharing your story and for all of the amazing work that you do. Uh, we are excited that we're on your podcast. So a quick reminder, go check out Jessica's podcast, Open Late, and you can listen to us there as well. Yeah, links to that and everything else that was mentioned in the podcast and in our intro will be in the show notes, which you can find at our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And you can click on the podcast tab. You can click on the resource tab you can click on the contact us tab you patreon can, you can click on the patreon events. tab you can click on all the tabs just check them all out see what they all do <laughs> yeah it's just a fun game you can play also while you're on our website you can go and check out under resources one of our favorite resources stdcheck.com now instead of us talking about this we're going to play a testimonial that we received from an amazing listener and let them talk about how their experience with std check was yeah a huge thank you for sending this in we apologize that it took so long to get it out. No excuses. We are we are sorry. And you've got an email coming to you, and we're going to send you a bunch of free swag. And that goes for anybody else who sends us a testimonial using the Contact Us page on our website. You can leave us a voicemail, and you will also get free swag if you send us a testimonial for using stdcheck.com. Now, let's go. Let's go. Hey, MN Finn. I hope you guys are doing well. I just wanted to leave this message to say thank you so much for sharing your STD check resource on your website. I just used it for the first time and it was a super easy and convenient process. I ordered my panel online through y'all's link and faxed it to the lab before I even headed up there. The lab had my order ready to go, and the whole process took maybe 20 minutes, which included my time in the waiting room. I had all of my results by the end of the next day. I will definitely use this resource again, and I just wanted to thank you guys for everything that you do. Talk to you later. Again, a huge thank you for sending that in. We appreciate it, and we love that your experience has been very much similar to ours and how fast and easy this is. The other thing I wanted to add is that it is very affordable. So using the links on our website saves you $10 and supports the show financially, but that brings the cost of a 10 panel test down to about $130, which is awesome. 
Mm -hmm. So thank you again for sending in the testimonial. And thank you again to you, listener, for using the service and supporting the show and being an awesome sexual health advocate. Yes. Thank you so much. Next week, we have an interview. An interview. Surprise, surprise. Uh, It is with Sunny. So stay tuned. Come back next week and listen to that episode. And I think that's it. That's everything. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. No, no, no. You messed it up. Okay. Bye, everyone. Okay. (laughs) You do it. You do it. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.